It is Friday the 6th of December and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, the UK heads to the polls in less than a week for the most important election in decades. Is it all still to play for or has everyone made up their minds by now? In the last week of the election, what really matters is kind of boots on the ground. Going out there, knocking on doors, identifying your potential voters and then getting them to the polls. Plus, Andrew Miller recaps what we've learned from the news this week. And what makes for a great Christmas market, Monaco's own Robert Bound gives us his take. I am Marcus Hippie in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. On Thursday next week, voters of the United Kingdom will be going to the polls in the country's third general election in the last four years. The stakes are high. Brexit triggered the election and the issue is dividing supporters of the main British parties. Polls show that the Conservatives are still maintaining their lead over Labour, but many voters still haven't made up their minds over who to vote for. Lance Price, former Director of Communications at 10 Downing Street explains why this last week of campaigning is of such importance. It does make a big difference uh, for two reasons. One specific to this election and one more general one is that in the last week of the election, what really matters is kind of boots on the ground. Is people, um, your party members, uh, enthusiastic supporters going out there, knocking on doors, identifying your potential voters, the people who perhaps haven't made up their minds and can still be persuaded, and then getting them to the polls. So the, the ground operation, as it's called, is very, very important. And it's something that gives the Labour Party an edge because they have a much bigger membership than the Conservative Party, a much younger membership and more enthusiastic supporters willing to do that. The other thing that's specific to this election is that I think there are many, many more people who are leaving it to the very last minute to make up their minds. And those are the people who, and I'm probably one of them, who are going to hold their noses, whoever they decide to vote for, who really aren't enthusiastic about any of the party mm. leaders on offer at the moment or the party prospectuses, prospecti that are on offer at the the moment. So I think there are still undecided voters uh, up for grabs, uh, simply because there are so many people who would actually like to vote none of the above. If you're a party activist, then your job is to try to focus on those people who may be voting uh, not with their normal party loyalty, but with their conscience, if you like. And for many of those, Brexit, of course, will be the issue that might determine them and may persuade them to vote away from where they normally would uh, would do so. Um, but the other thing, of course, is to uh, encourage people to take a long, hard look at the arithmetic in their own seat, because every seat around the country is different. And uh, tactical voting should be um, a very significant factor next Thursday. And I think it will be in, in, in some seats. But that's all about persuading those swing voters, those people who haven't made up their minds or whose votes are up for grabs, that you are actually in the best position to do that. And for some parties, that's quite a challenge because it may be maybe in some seats, that the Liberal Democrats could go from third place to first place. Uh, and therefore, they have to do some hard persuading on the doorsteps. And that's why actually knocking on doors and talking to people really does matter. It is Friday and time to look back at what we have learned from this week's news. Here is Monocle's Andrew Muller.
We learned this week that the skin of US President Donald Trump is not merely the weirdly orangest substance on earth, but also the thinnest. The most powerful man in the world flounced ahead of schedule from this week's NATO summit somewhere near London after footage emerged of his fellow alliance leaders chortling at the expense of his bountiful foibles. president is not, in fairness, the first person to have seized on any excuse to leave Watford early. We and Donald Trump also learned that California Senator Kamala Harris will not be the next president of the United States. She withdrew from the stampede seeking the Democratic Party's nomination for next year's election, to the disappointment of those anticipating that the debates between Harris and Trump might have been pleasingly evocative of a piñata being lustily thrashed with a cricket bat, or, in a comparison more readily illustrated with archive audio, Harris's previous interrogations of of Trump's former Attorney General and Alabama State Gnome, Jeff Sessions. Sir, I'm sure you prepared for this hearing today and most of the questions that have been presented to you were uh, predictable. So my question to you is, did you then review with the lawyers of your department, if you as the top lawyer are unaware, what the law is regarding what you can share with us and what you cannot share with us? We learned that Finland's Prime Minister had resigned. As the world gamely resisted any urge to panic, Monocle's Helsinki correspondent Petri Burtsov explained the situation on Tuesday's briefing. When the employees of the Finnish Postal Service went on strike in a move to oppose 30% salary cuts, and several sectors of society then joined in this strike, which more or less paralysed the country for a few days. As part of the political backlash of the whole saga, it emerged that the Prime Minister Antti Rinne had made some false statements to the parliament. We learned that maps of North Korea will require updating to the tune of one city, or as the official line has it, one epitome of modern civilization. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un took a break from his recent schedule of looking pensive on a horse to cut the ribbon on Samjion, a conurbation near the North Korean holy site of Mount Paektu. Rodong Sinmun, the official newspaper of the Central Committee of the Workers' Party of Korea, and not, it is often suspected, always the most rigorous invigilator of the regime, further reported, thus the steadfast faith and will of the party and people of the DPRK to add eternal luster to Kim Jong-il's immortal revolutionary history and exploits has been fully demonstrated and a revolutionary springboard for successfully implementing the party's plan for local construction provided. One can only hope this lost something in the translation. On Tuesday's briefing, we asked the UK's former ambassador to North Korea, John Everard, for a more nuanced view. It was built largely to poke the Americans in the eye effectively. I mean, the Americans have been trying to impose economic sanctions on North Korea for many years now in response to the nuclear program. And this is Kim Jong-un's way of showing that, ne never mind economic sanctions, I can go and build an entire new city. That sucks to you. 
we learned that efforts to defend the English language from the predations of unlettered barbarians take their toll on even the most indefatigable pedants. The Apostrophe Protection Society threw in the towel after 18 years of wearily reminding people of the difference between its and its and your and your and that there is never any cause for apostrophes in plurals. This latter transgression, especially in a truly civilised society, would be punishable by flogging with a knotted rope. Here's Robin Lustig on Monday's edition of The Briefing. I kind of share his sadness that the apostrophe is so badly misused and abused, but I accept that language changes, grammar changes. It's something organic. If people don't like the apostrophe, they're not going to use the apostrophe. We learned, to our barely containable excitement, that the Yevla goat has a spokesperson, at which a line of explanation is probably in order for any listeners who've missed our previous manifold canings of this subject. Every year in the Swedish port of Yevla, they build an immense straw goat at Christmas, and almost every year it gets burnt down by some miscreant scofflaw or ne'er-do-well. Here is the Yevla goat's human representative on Thursday's briefing. The Yavle goat is uh, uh, guarded 24-7 and that has proved to be very effective and stops the most spontaneous attacks uh, after a party night out. There are many <laughs> drunk people that have set the Yavle goat on fire du- during the years. We learned that any Yahoo may now market their vinegar as balsamic, whatever balsamic even means. The European Court of Justice decided that the vinegar makers of Modena province in Italy, which had long laid exclusive claim to the adjective, had been pushing their luck, and that balsamic was not a word with particular geographic resonance. This was shaping as the setup for some joke about how the Italian farmers are still at least well-dressed. Vinegar, dressing, you can see where it was going, but it does doesn't really stick, but I'd already written it down. Thanks. It's appreciated. And we learned that Australians associate one particular adjective with themselves more than any other. The Australia Talks National Survey asked respondents for three words to summarise their identity. Topping the poll was honest. And this must be true because, self-evidently, my people would not lie to you. And with that flagrant cherry-picking of the facts to reinforce the prejudices of the commentator, for Monocle 24, I'm Andrew Miller. And finally, a view from Monocle's editorial flaw. Monocle's senior editor Robert Bound knows what he wants from a Christmas market. So Christmas is Christian. Well, yes, the clue's in the name. And Christmas tends to give you a warm, fuzzy feeling too. You bet. And Christmas is quite camp, am I right? If done correctly, yes. If only the Bavarian Christmas market then, currently sprawled across the best part of London's Trafalgar Square, like an office party drunk, shared these key seasonal qualities. Yesterday I got stuck in the market's infernal crapness on the way to the National Gallery, and I can report that the diabetes in a cup hot chocolate, mulled wine courtesy of Chateau Donkey Piss, and the bored, cold-looking cellars made the Turners and Monets even more beautiful and meaningful than you could possibly ever imagine. The sort of Bavarian Christmas markets that don't require inverted commas, the ones in Munich, for instance, come from a lineage of local events whose vibe is a bit more hand-carved nutcracker than sulphurous bath bomb. These things are a bit tough. Snow might make the brown porter cabins of Trafalgar Square a little more seasonal, but really steer very well clear. 
And as luck would have it this weekend, Monocle is hosting its very own Christmas market. With a Finnish Father Christmas, reindeer to nuzzle, and a tombola with prizes that are almost, almost works of art. So much better for your elf. Monocle's Robert Bound there. And that's all in today's programme. You can read and subscribe to our daily email bulletin at our website, monocle.com. I am Markus Hippi. The Monocle Minute returns on Monday. Have a good weekend.